He's back, everybody. Ryder Lee. Good to see you. Um, and uh, Raised by Giants, host of that podcast. Go check it out. He's back. He's badder than ever. And we're going to talk UFOs. Mm. Ryder Lee, good to see you, man. How are you? Good to see you, Charlie. Thanks so much for having me on. And we're going to be doing an amazing UFO show. I know you don't get to do too many uh, UFO shows, but I think it's important to dig back into the history of the subjects. And we have let UFOs and extraterrestrial speculation grow so far out of hand, Charlie, that I personally believe that it serves to make people easily fooled by scammers, grifters, and fraudsters that bring zero evidence or zero proof of accusations or assertions. This, in turn, could mean that any group or individual government or military could use the modern myth of UFOs and extraterrestrials that may be bent upon the destruction and undermining of our society through deceptiveness, through mis- and disinformation surrounding UFOlogy. And this current contactee movement that started with a gentleman named Samuel Eden Thompson in 1950 that no one talks about because they've never even heard of him because his story was overshadowed by Kenneth Arnold's sightings in 1947 and later on Betty and Barney Hill in 1961. Just like no one really talks about George Van Tassel, who was the first person to claim contact uh, and channel Ashtar in 1952, or George King from the Etherist Society, or Dor Dorothy Martin from the Seekers UFO cult in 1954. But this supposed contactee movement has brought about a wave of what can only be described as mental illness that can be specifically tied to the rise in the popularization of extraterrestrial and UFO myths, which is a huge aspect of UFOlogy that literally no one wants to talk about and it's a very huge issue so thanks so much for having me on charlie well thanks for coming on i i don't talk about ufos but it's not because i don't like the subject i love it i just don't bring anything to the table that's of particular importance i mean i'm i, I love the topics i love to geek, geek out on it i do like it when the military and the government converge over it in, in those ways i love dark journalist i watch his ex-diagonography report and talk about how you know a lot of the the how the process gets buried under bureaucracy but it's had a, a real resurgence lately we had hey we had we had aliens in the Miami mall earlier this, <laughs> this year. You know what I mean? It's but were they extraterrestrial aliens? aliens or were they illegal aliens? That's a well, different we story. have those too. <laughs> those are always in the Miami mall, but, the, but we had 10 footers that, that came in. So it feels, so it's like on the one hand, I have a true interest in this. I'd love to know what's going on. I I'm, I'm interested. I don't, I don't know the sorts of people that have the answers, but I'm curious about it and I want to know more about it. I do recognize it as a, an industry that is ripe for disinformation, misinformation. It's easy to make people look crazy. Uh, and on top of that, a lot of crazy people get into this line of work because they like talking about this stuff. And so it is definitely difficult to, to separate the, the, the people that are just maybe like just clearly not right and then the people that are that mean well 
but are wrong. And then you've got another group that maybe are disinformation agents. And of course, when, when you come from the US government and you've got this training on how to deflect and how to give 95% truth and 5% lie, and you know how to set up somebody and make them believe that they're getting good information when in fact you maybe have poisoned the well. And that might have been the case with somebody like Bob Lazar, where you know, it's like, well, is he telling the truth? Yes or no? It's like, well, he believes he's telling the truth, but is it actually the truth? He he read something and then he went and talked about it. Was he meant to see that? Was he meant to read that? And then did they know psychologically by doing the profiles on him that he's the type of guy that eventually would talk about it? I mean, was this the setup? And so I recognize that there are all of these traps laid everywhere and I don't have any particular... I, I don't I don't know what's what necessarily on a lot of this stuff. So I you know, listen, if you let's start from the beginning, like you said. I mean, cuz be, because it's popular now and it's trendy and everyone's kind of talking about it, but we if we don't understand the history of it, then I think we're probably at a disadvantage. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to give us the backstory on Kenneth Arnold and talk about that and Benny and Barty Hill and talk about Paul Benowitz and talk about these some of these stories and some of these names that are recognizable, but maybe we don't know all the details of it. So fill us in and start wherever you want with uh, with where this uh, where this UFO story really got going. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, see, it's my belief, Charlie, that human actions are based on imagination, right? Imagination, belief, and faith, not on objective observation. And I'm pretty sure the government, the military, and politicians know this as well. You can pretty much track back everything to emotion and fear. And then the question becomes, well, can we control human imagination? Can we shape and mold the world's collective destiny? And if so, how do we do this? Well, how you do it is by making sure that the source of the control is never identifiable by the public. And then you can effectively prepare the public for unavoidable changes and push the collective mind in the desirable direction that you want it to go. And that's why it's important that these intelligence agencies and advertising companies are very interested in mythology and things that may or may not be true because it can be used to shape and mold the collective consciousness. This is why we see uh, the rise in the uh, contactee community and ufology as a whole, which is used to play with our imagination, which to me represents experiments in the direction of weaponized folklore, rising superstition, mental illness, and paranoia. Now, the very first modern, what, flying saucer uh, sighting was by Kenneth Arnold. And that was in 1947. Here is a picture, if you're watching the video version of the show, of Kenneth Arnold. But that's not where the phenomenon starts, right? It tracks way back thousands of years. 
but they weren't called UFOs or flying saucers back then. They were called shields, pillars, or flying chariots, right? I've just seen that because I realized that the history of this stuff, right, is, is just because I don't mention it doesn't mean that I don't know about it. And I, uh, and I can see someone now, right, in the comments saying, oh, well, it goes back way farther than 1947, which it does, but they weren't called flying saucers back then. Kenneth Arnold kicked off the term flying saucers, but did he? Thanks for watching that clip. If you want to hear the entire episode in audio format, just go wherever podcasts are served, search for macroaggressions, subscribe to the show, and please rate it when you get a chance. Thanks, everybody.